needed. And that was good singing and good praise to the Lord tonight. And we want to begin our time uh, bringing our meeting to the Lord and each one of our meetings tonight and then through the days that we will have. But we're good to, it's glad to see each one of you here tonight in the Lord's house. Let's begin by seeking God in prayer. Father, what rejoicing there is in our hearts tonight. We are very thankful for the praise that we are able to offer in Christ's precious name. And Lord, we marvel and wonder the truth that's been spoken of tonight here because if we had, or if, Lord, you had waited until we had been cleansed or made ourselves right, then, Father, we would never be in your kingdom, in your family, part of the body of Christ. But tonight we rejoice that it is well It is well with our souls. We have been washed and cleansed. We are redeemed by precious blood. We're thankful for the new song that we have in our hearts. Even praise unto our God. We ask, Lord, tonight that as we've come from busy days at work, wherever we have been, Lord, we want to be settled in your presence now tonight and know the joy and the peace of worshiping our God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, we're thankful for each one here in person in our meeting. We're thankful for those that have joined us online tonight. And Lord, for the safety that has been granted to those who have been traveling uh, to be with us for these special uh, times and meetings. Pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord, we pray. And go in front of us in every trip that we take and all of our journeying. And bless the fellowship that will be enjoyed by uh, during this conference. And we ask, Lord, that as we give out the word of God by tract form and maybe personal witness, that we would know the help of the Holy Spirit and that there would be the sowing of the seed and a bringing in of a harvest for the honor of King Jesus. Our Lord, be with us now tonight. We're thankful for Pastor Simpson, who is here. And as we have been praying for him, Lord, we continue tonight that you would put your hand on him to bless him in the messages that he will bring for each night. And bless our brother Schultz as he will testify tonight. And we pray that each one who will take part in every service will be very conscious of the help of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, hear our prayers tonight. Remember those who are sick in our congregation or have come through surgery recently. We think of our sister Anna, and we pray for her. We remember Debbie, and we ask for your hand of healing to be upon her as well. And we ask for Isabel and for Ted. And our Father, we are very thankful for your hand upon Azriel last evening. In that very difficult circumstance, we're thankful he was brought back home safely. And Lord, continue to watch over and bless all our families. Lord, we do not know what a day may bring or what dangers might be around the corner. And so we are asking for your kind and gracious hand continue to be upon us. So Lord, hear our prayers tonight and be with us now. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Well, we welcome you all tonight to the beginning of our special 
meetings. It's good to see a good turnout here. We've had to put extra chairs at the back, and that's been encouraging. We're glad about that, and uh, we want to welcome everyone and encourage you. Uh, last evening, some of you may or may not have heard, but uh, we're very thankful that God has brought a young Azrael back safely home. He wandered away from home and was gone for several hours, uh, but we're thankful that God answered prayer and he was brought back home safely. So I think the family's just gathering in tonight there too, so we're happy about that. A warm word of welcome to the Schultz family. They were with us the Lord's Day evening. Pastor Schultz visiting here with his family uh, from the Czech Republic, and of course known so well to those in our congregation here. And yet if you're new or you're watching online, you might not just be familiar about that, you'll be able to add their family and the work of God in the Czech Republic to your own prayer list. His wife Martina is here with us tonight as well. And uh, last night, Milos Jr. and Abigail uh, joined. They came a little bit later and they flew in and we're thankful that they arrived safely. And uh, on the Lord's Day evening, Timothy and Caleb and Levi, they were with us. And we're looking forward later on in the meeting tonight uh, Brother Timothy is going to be sharing a word of testimony, and so we will look forward uh, to that. Great also to have Audrey Munger with us, joining from the Winston-Salem congregation. Uh, happy, Audrey, that you are here with us tonight. And then also Josue Ortega, uh, happy to have you tonight to come. Two of our brethren have joined us from the Mexico church, and we're very happy about that. Uh, Manuel Flores, great to have you as well. We're going to get to know these brethren a bit more over the next uh, couple of days. And also uh, Elijah Foreman arrived from Prince George. He came uh, along with uh, Pastor Andrew Simpson, and uh, we're very happy about that. We haven't forgotten you, brother. You're welcome here tonight as well. And a word of congratulations because you're a father a second time now. Uh, Naomi just gave birth to their little daughter, and so we're happy that mum and daughter and family are doing well, and uh, but they're still back in Prince George. Remember, please, a couple of things in your prayers. Mention about Anna Tan and also Isabel Glynn. We've been thinking and praying for her and Ted and also our sister Debbie. I know Debbie's online tonight. Debbie had some surgery on her foot, and it was good to see her at the Lord's house, but do remember her, please, in prayer. And others who are just not able to be with us because of sickness or some other reason, we ask that the Lord's hand would be upon them to encourage them and to bless them. Great to see a good turnout tonight. We're happy that you're all here. We'd like to see this number at the prayer meeting every week. This would be really good. We always have a great number joining us online as well, and so we are happy about that. Let me give a couple of announcements because this meeting, though it is combined with our prayer meeting, uh, is really the commencement of our Young Adult Conference. We've been planning this for a long time now, and we've been praying about these services and meetings, and we're very happy. It's kind of a, well, I wouldn't say a pilot project, but it certainly is the first one of these that we have uh, attempted here in Toronto in our church, though we've had other, um, well, young people conferences in the past. We're very happy about this one. And we're looking forward to the Lord's blessing on us as we have these meetings. Let me just say a word of reminder to those of the group who will be traveling to Niagara tomorrow for our outing to be at the church by 7 a.m. We want to get a good start 
to get going uh, to Niagara because what we do there tomorrow and then we have to make our way back again uh, for the meeting tomorrow night here. You will not have to worry about your lunch because lunch has been prepared and it will be on the bus to go with us in coolers. Thank you also to the number of people who have been working behind the scenes already in preparation and a lot of coordination, airport pickups and so on. All of these things very, very much appreciated and we'll thank you to continue please in your prayer. Simple announcements regarding the Lord's Day and it will be our morning service at 11 and then our evening service at 6.30 and Pastor Simpson will be ministering the word morning and evening. The Schultz family uh, this Lord's Day morning will be in the Berry congregation as they are here to combine some deputation and holiday and good fellowship here in their home church. They're going to be going uh, to bury Lord's Day morning and then they will uh, be in hmm, Lord's Day evening, brother. You're here in the evening time. Yes, that's right. Good. Very good. Well, we're really um, looking forward to hearing the testimony of our young brother, uh, Timothy Schultz. And so we're going to ask you to come now, Tim, and share with us uh, what the Lord has done in your life. Well, it is a great privilege for me to be able to stand here with you today. Just a couple of weeks ago, it was very unsure whether we would be able to come here at all. And so, it is my joy to stand here, and at the same time, it is a great responsibility because the Lord has done great things for me in my life, and I am aware of my inabilities to bear testimony of what he has done for me the way that I ought to. And so I would like to tell you what the Lord has done for me in my life. My name is Timothy Joseph Schultz. I am the second son and the third child of my father, Reverend Milos Schultz, missionary to the Czech Republic. I was saved at, to the best of my memory, seven years of age in this building, in God's house, under the preaching of Reverend Saunders, Dr. Saunders, and I would like to read at the beginning of my testimony a quote from Matthew Henry, who says these words, We are under special obligations to those good men we have received benefit by, especially spiritual benefit, to own them as instruments in God's hand of good to us. And so from this place, I would like to remember three men whom the Lord used in my life to redirect me at a young age to seek the Lord and to seek the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. The first of those men is my father who brought us up in the way we should go in the faith of those words from God's word that when we are old we will not depart from it. I owe much to my father who brought us up in a strict but loving household and who taught us the Lord's way and the Lord's things. The second man is Dr. Saunders, as I already mentioned, and it is a great privilege for me to be able to be here and see him and spend time with him and with his family because it was under his preaching that, I, that the Lord spoke to me and I stepped out in faith and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation. And the third man is Reverend Ivan Foster from Northern Ireland. Some of you may know. 
and he once visited us in the Czech Republic and he was a, of great help to me at a time when I was struggling with various doubts in my life and he helped me at that time in pointing me to the Lord and pointing me to seek the Lord for his reassurance which came. In the year 2008 my family moved back to the Czech Republic in answer my father and mother in answer to God's call to go back to their homeland and be a witness to the church there. Ever since uh, that time that is when I began homeschooling in the Czech Republic that was something very strange and many people were very skeptical of that and pointed the finger and wondered how things would turn out but the Lord led us and helped us in a mighty way and after I finished primary education at home the Lord opened the door and redirected me to a grammar school that was in the city over the hill from us I was able to attend there for four years of high school. That was not something I expected because originally I was wondering if the Lord would have me go in the direction of a tradesman ever since I was a little boy and that goes for my brothers as well. We love to work with our hands and with wood and other such things that boys enjoy. But the Lord would not have me go that direction and he redirected me and would have me go for something higher and I would like to emphasize that by no means am I saying that being a tradesman is something that the Lord cannot use and that it, that it is something that is low or that uh, is not appreciated by people as if, if that is what the Lord would have had me to do that is the way I would have loved to go but the Lord redirected me and made it very clear that he would have me go this direction and I remember as if it were yesterday that I walked in there on my first day and I wondered what the Lord would how the Lord would use me and he laid it on my heart to be a witness to my fellow classmates and to my friends there and I wondered if the Lord would do a work in one of their lives and save someone and I confess from this place that it was with little faith and it is my great joy today to be able to tell you that but a week ago some something over a week ago it was a Saturday but my time is a little bit mixed up now that we are here in Canada but it is my joy to tell you that one of my classmates his name is Luke a classmate from my high school class was baptized because the Lord saved him and in a mighty that in a mighty way and he has come very far with the Lord and grown in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and he continues on with the Lord even in his years of university he was saved a minute before midnight as it were because it was the last year of high school and it was a time of COVID and so many people were not seeing each other anymore but the Lord brought some hard circumstances upon him into his life and he turned to me and we were able to call each other it was late at night and by the Lord's grace he did not put it off and that is part of his testimony that he at that time would have pushed it aside and waited for a more convenient season 
But in his testimony that he gave before going through the waters of baptism, he gave glory to the Lord that he did not set it aside, for he knows that if he had done that, that his life may well have been in a very different state than it is now. And so that is to the Lord's glory that he used me in that situation of my high school to be a witness to my class there. And Luke bears testimony to what the Lord did for me there. Throughout the years of high school, I sought the Lord's guidance as to what he would have me to do after high school. And some of you may know that my sister is a doctor. She studied medicine. And so thinking upon all these things and praying for the Lord's guidance, the Lord made it clear that he would have me to study medicine as well. And so now I am finishing my second year of medicine. It is something that I would have never thought I would say because by no means do I have any genius mind. And I, before every exam and every test, I am very conscious and aware of my weaknesses. But the Lord has never left me and he did everything for me. And that is what I bear testimony to today from this place. All the glory belongs to the Lord and he has taken me through hitherto. And that is what I rely upon as I go forwards. The Lord gave me a burden for uh, witness, even amongst my fellow students now at university. And it was something that I began to pray for specifically because everybody knows that I am different. Some people know more than others, and I was able to speak with individuals but it was upon my heart that I would be able to speak with my class and witness to them as a whole, that I would not owe any one of them my testimony. And so that was something I began to pray for. And the Lord opened the door in a very specific way where one of my classmates shared something into our class group. And it had to do with the issue of transgenderism. And they posed a question and said, they just posted something to do with this issue and wanted our us as their fellow students to come to some conclusions on this matter and to maybe post what we think about it. And so at that time I spoke with my father as with my minister to ask for his guidance and help if he thinks that this would be something that I could use to bear witness of what my beliefs are. And so together with him we were able to put together a message that I sent out and uh, in that message I was able to link it to our forefathers in the faith in the Czech land, men like John Huss and John Amos Comenius and I was able to write out some of their words and to stress that these, the, what I am saying and what my positions are is nothing of my own invention, but that it is the Lord's way and that it is something that I would wish for everyone because outside of the Lord and outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no purpose to life and there is no higher end. And so the Lord opened that door and I was able to use it and to follow up on it. And it is a recent thing. And so I would ask that you would continue to pray that the Lord would use that and open more doors that I would be able to witness specifically to individuals in my class. 
At this time, I would like to read some verses that the Lord laid upon my heart in context of my testimony. I would like to read Judges from the book of Judges, chapter 1. Judges chapter 1, Please pardon me, it is not Judges. I wrote this verse down and it is Jude. That is a mistake, Jude chapter one, of course. Jude and the verse Five and then the verse 24 and 25. Jude, verse 5, we read these words. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And then if you turn your eyes to verse 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I mentioned something about being aware of my weaknesses. That is something that the Lord has taught me and he has used in my life to bring me closer to him. Because we know that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And it is when things are going easy that it is very easy to slip and to draw away from the Lord. And so I am thankful to the Lord for the many hardships that he has brought into my life. And for not giving me in many, at many times and occasions in my life the easy way to come to things. As we read here, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. That is something I am aware of. And that it was the Lord's doing, and it is the Lord's doing, in every area in my life of what he has done for me. I owe everything to the Lord. I owe much to the three men I mentioned at the beginning of my testimony. And if I would take it further back, I owe everything to the Free Presbyterian Church. 
because if the Lord had not brought my father out of the church that he was originally in, into this church, then my family would have gone a very different route. And so it is my prayer for the Free Presbyterian Church that the Lord would keep it and uphold it and that he would raise up in this his Israel a new generation that would know the Lord God of their fathers. As we read in Judges of the sad times when Israel would so quickly seem to forget what the Lord did for them. It is so important that we realize that it is us that the Lord's word is speaking about. And so from this place, I bear testimony that it is not in my strength by any means that the Lord, that I have accomplished what I have accomplished. But it is my prayer that the Lord would keep me. And it is a great encouragement to me and to us as God's people that there is one that can keep us, as we read, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To that only wise God, my Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. That is my testimony. And as I said, it is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in my eyes, what he has done for me and for my family. And that is something I would wish to everyone. It is something that I bear testimony of to my fellow students, that the Lord did much for me, that it may seem that I have come a far way, that I have been successful. But it, as I heard recently in a message of one of our ministers, what does it profit us? If we have the well done from the world, but have not that well done said by the Lord. That same minister said that real faith does not sit back in a spiritual recliner. That is something that would so easily happen to us and to me. And so it is my prayer that the Lord would feed me with food convenient for me. And that is the verse that those are the verses that I would wish to close with today. It is from Proverbs 30. As you know, Proverbs 30 and the verse 7 through 9. Proverbs 30 verse 7. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me nothing, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. The Lord has done everything for me in my life, and that is what I wish to leave with you today. We thank you all for your prayers for us, and we ask that you would continue to pray for us. It is only a I can only share a fraction with you today of what the Lord has done for us and the many doors that he has opened. But I would ask you that you would pray and ask the Lord to continue to help us to use those opportunities that he gives us and to give more opportunities like those. And... That same minister that I mentioned earlier said in that message that we ought to pray as God's people 
that we would never pray before we first praise. And so I praise the Lord for what he has done for me and for my family. And we thank you all for your prayers. We ask that you would continue to pray for us, for he hath done everything for us. And he will continue to do so, for we know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Well, thank you, brother, for sharing that uh, very encouraging testimony tonight. A blessing to hear how the Lord has been working and developing in your own life. And in our congregation here, we were praying for that young man, Luke, uh, back, back when we knew you had testified to him. And it was a, a great blessing to hear. And then just to recently know, a week ago, he was baptized and uh, that's a confirmation of his faith and a desire to go on with God. So that was a great encouragement. So thank you again, brother, for sharing with us tonight. We're going to sing another hymn. So please, let's stand and worship the Lord. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, are you washed in the blood, in the 
is always good to make your calling and your election sure and to be certain that you are cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus and know that he is your Redeemer and Savior. And so we are thankful for that great hope that we have tonight. A joy for us to welcome again to our congregation and for these special meetings, Pastor Andrew Simpson, who is the minister in our Prince George congregation in British Columbia. Brother, how many years have you been there? Four and a half. Four and a half years, all right. Four and a half years, and uh, I'm sure he will be able to share with you, if not tonight, at one of the other times in the meetings as he shares his testimony, what the Lord has been doing in Williams Lake and uh, that ministry that has opened up there. And uh, we were hoping, I know our brother was hoping, that uh, Jonathan Eccles was going to be coming to the, for the summertime as he was last summer in Cloverdale. This summer he was going to be Williams Lake, but his uh, father passed away and he had to cancel his trip over here. So that was a bit of an upset for our brothers. He was looking forward to him coming to the Williams Lake work, uh, but I'm sure that you've got that sorted out well. But brother, come tonight. We're very happy that you're here and share the word of God with us. Just remember that as you see yourself there, those are the folks on Zoom there seeing okay. you, so that's good. That's great. Well, may I invite you to take your Bible, please, and turn with me this evening to the book of Acts. The New Testament book of Acts, and we'll read together from the chapter number 20. The book of Acts, the chapter number 20. We're going to break up our reading just for time's sake this evening. So let's break in at the verse number 7. We'll read to the verse number 12 and then from 17 down to 28. So Acts chapter 20, beginning to read here at the verse number 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber, where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and wit of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was unprofitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, 
Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. May the Lord bless the public reading of his own precious word uh, to our hearts this evening. Just before we bow our heads in prayer, can I thank your minister and also the elders of this congregation for the opportunity to come and to be the guest preacher at this youth conference. I also thank this congregation for your prayers. I know many of you have already spoken to me about our daughter that was born. Uh, Mary Grace was born on the 29th of June, weighing in at 8 pounds and 2 ounces. And uh, she's a delight. She's a very good baby. She eats and she sleeps. And really, that's all you want a baby to do at that age. And our son, he is just absolutely enamored with her. And uh, we're very happy in that. The Lord has been very good to our family these past four and a half years. When we first went to Prince George, and we say this to only tell you what the Lord has done, but there was five people in that congregation. And in many ways, it was a congregation that was floundering, and perhaps even on the verge of closure. And yet the people there were faithful, faithful to the Lord, faithful to this denomination, and they were a people of prayer, which is essential and perhaps most important. They prayed for a minister to come. The Lord worked in my heart. We came. Uh, now after four and a half years, uh, on an average Sunday, we have anywhere between 70 and 80 people in our congregation. We're so thankful to the Lord. Uh, this year, there'll be around seven children that will be born into the congregation, including our own. And we're thankful for that. And then we're also thankful for what the Lord has done in Williams Lake. We were driving down to Williams Lake one night and there was a, a Baptist church with a bit of a history. It was a really good Baptist church. Uh, more, it was close to being a Reformed Baptist at a stage. Uh, the minister had come there, seen a wonderful work of God, and built up that church from basically nothing. A minister had come in teaching other doctrine and basically ran the church like a dictator. And he excommunicated everybody and everything and everyone out of that church until there was barely anybody left. And as we drove past that church, I didn't know anything about the state of the congregation. But the Lord put on my heart to pray. And I asked the Lord, Lord, would you give me that building? You know, sometimes as ministers, you drive past and you look at buildings and churches in different places and you wonder, what could the Lord do with this or that? Well, we dream sometimes. But I went into the meeting that night in Williams Lake. The ladies were standing down at the back and I knew they were talking about something. And they came up to me and said, well, did you hear? The church, the Baptist church is closed. A number of those ladies were actually excommunicated from the church. And uh, I said, no, I didn't hear that. But that's very interesting, thinking back to the prayer that I had just lightly prayed and not really thought much of it. And so myself and a friend went back up to the parking lot that night, prayed over the building, and we, I asked the Lord very specifically, Lord, if you want us to have this church building, then you have to give it to us for free because we have no money. <laughs> or you can give us money and then we'll pay for it, but preferably free. Because that's how we like to get it in Northern Ireland. And I made no inquiry. I did not make any uh, leads or go after anything. 
And in the providence of God, a minister who I had gotten to know through a circumstance called me up. And through the providence of God and his congregation, their church had been offered the building and had rejected it. And he said, listen, we want this off our hands. We want nothing to do with it. Will you take it? And I said, well, I can only listen to an offer if they're willing to make me an offer. I'm willing to hear it. And within the next week, I sat in front of the four trustees who were very elderly women, obviously burdened with the building and so on. I told them the mission and the beliefs and the vision of the Free Presbyterian Church. I in no way tried to uh, uh, mislead them, thinking that it would remain a Baptist church or it would remain some sort of ecumenical church. No, this would be a Free Presbyterian Church congregation conducted according to our standards and our practice and they made the offer to give us the entire church for free and so we had to go back then to the deacons and try and convince them of that and uh, there was no rationale for taking it on really when you look at it financially the size of the congregation there, there was no practical rationale to take on more work but we had to just acknowledge this is the Lord's doing and we better take what the Lord is giving to us And so we took on that building. The Lord has blessed those meetings. But I would ask you to pray. Pray for commitment. There is a number of families. If everybody came out, we would have about 35 in that church. But the issue is that they come from backgrounds where there is not an emphasis put on keeping the Lord's day. And so as soon as the summertime comes, many of them are ranchers and farmers. They make their living out of doing the rodeo. And so as the summer months come, they're here, there, and yonder uh, making their money out of the rodeo. Uh, Some of them are bull riders. Some of them bring the calves along to do the the roping and everything else. But it means our congregation suffers, especially in those summer months. So pray for stickability, especially with the young families who have young children. Uh, And BC is just a wilderness when it comes to churches. A wilderness, but we pray the Lord would do something, and I would value greatly uh, your prayers. But let's pray this evening, and then I'll uh, present to you the burden upon my heart. Our gracious and eternal God, we come into thy presence, and we stand at the outset of this week of meetings, and we acknowledge our need for divine help. We acknowledge that the best of men are men at best, and Father, we need the Holy Spirit. You've said, O God, if any of you would confess your sin, you're faithful and just to forgive sin. We pray, O God, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've said, if a man cleanse himself from these, he shall be a vessel fit and meet for the master's use. Make me, O Lord, a vessel over these next five meetings that would have an impact on the lives of the youth of this denomination. That, Lord, they may grow up and they may be in their respective congregations, the backbone of their congregations. Lord, make our church strong. Give us days of revival again and move among us, for we ask these things for thy glory and for thy honor. Amen. Amen. I want to begin this evening by laying out the direction and also the burden behind the messages that I will preach at this conference Whenever I was asked to come and speak at this conference, although a title for the series of messages did not immediately come to me, and I received some help from the organizers as to the title to give to the the messages, the burden did come to me. 
as to what I was to speak on at this youth conference. And as I thought more and more, that burden has developed into five messages that you will hear over these next meetings. The burden upon my heart is that I have a great concern with how Christians in general, but especially our young people, think, treat, and relate to the church of Jesus Christ. Many today have made Christianity so subjective that they have no appreciation for the church and they do not see their need to be a part of a local body of believers. Others may attend a church and they may do so very faithfully and regularly, but they seem to sit at the sidelines as spectators rather than actually getting involved in the church as servants. And so it is my prayer this week for our young people that this may be the week where that transition would be made from spectator to being a servant in your local congregation. And so the five messages that I want to bring to you, first of all tonight we're going to consider together the structure of the church. What actually is a true church if you're to get involved in it? Then we're going to consider secondly the saints' involvement in the church. What does it mean to be involved in a local congregation? Thirdly, the struggles in the church. As you get involved in the church, you will inevitably face trouble and struggles and difficulties. How do you overcome them? Then we're going to consider the salvation of the church. How do we enter into the church? Well, we entered into it by faith in Christ alone. And then finally, on Sunday evening, we'll consider to gather the success of the church. Now, as I said, I want to preach this evening upon the structure of the church. But I am going to be preaching a little differently than what I usually do, especially in the first three messages. I want these messages to be very practical. And I want you to be able to relate to them as to the circumstances that you may have already faced, but also to the issues that you will also face in the church as you grow older and so on. And so tonight I want to speak to you upon the structure of the church. Let me begin with an illustration. If you and I were to go into downtown Toronto and we were to go and we were to stand outside a gym, that place that I do not regularly frequent or actually ever frequent, but nonetheless you and I were to go and stand outside a gym and I was to turn to you and say, isn't that a wonderful church? You would look at me as if I had two heads and say, what are you talking about? It's not a church, Andrew, that's a gym. And you would rightfully just be wondering what exactly is he talking about but if I was to respond to that and say well it's a gathering of people from various backgrounds united around a common cause with a common sense of purpose and they congregate together regularly you would still rightfully say Andrew that does not make it a church it is a gym however let's say you moved to a university you moved out of town and you were looking for a congregation. And a Christian would come up to you and say, listen, I, I hear you're a Christian. I want to invite you to come along to our home church that we have every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Is that a church? Is that a church? How do you know if it's a church? What makes the difference between a gym? What makes the difference between a church? Is it because it has the name church in it? How do you actually discern what a true church is. You see, if you're going to get involved in a church, you have to actually make sure that you're getting involved in a true church and you're getting involved in a biblical church. And so I want this evening to, to lay out for you 
three marks of what a biblical church is. So that as a young person, you will be able to look, I trust, to our denomination and the church that you're in and say that we have biblical churches in our denomination that we can be a part of. Or if you have to move to for university or for work and you're faced with the scenario that you have to find another church, that you won't become a spiritual gypsy, as we would say in Northern Ireland. That you wouldn't simply wander from church to church to church, but that you would know how to find a church and what to look for whenever you are seeking. The first mark of a true church is that a true church will have purity of doctrine. A true church will have purity of doctrine. A church that is true will be marked by true doctrine. Now some might say, well that's rather subjective. What may be true doctrine to you may not be true doctrine to another person. But that's not how scripture speaks about doctrine. If you look with me this evening, and I'll probably just read these verses to you for time's sake, but if you're very fast to turn up in your Bible, you can follow along. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 and the verse 13, we're exhorted to hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Then he instructs them in chapter 2 and verse number 2, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now Paul is obviously talking there that there is an objective standard. There is an objective body of truth that is given to the church that he gave to Timothy and that Timothy then was to pass on to other men who were to be able to teach other men. And so a mark of a church will be that they will hold to this objective standard of pure doctrine and of sound words. We read also as well in the book of Jude and the verse number three, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Notice those two words, the faith. Again, an objective standard of doctrine. A body of doctrine that Jude here knows that's taught among the churches and that he is now exhorting the believers to contend for and to defend and to cling on to. And so there are certain doctrines that form and establish the very foundation of the Christian faith. Now there's many doctrines that we will go through and I'm going to seek to summarize them for you very quickly this evening. But all of those doctrines what I would classify as the primary doctrines or the foundational doctrines, all relate to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you get these doctrines wrong, you have lost the gospel. And if you lose the gospel, you are not a Christian. If you lose the gospel, you are not a church. At a very minimum, we must ensure that the church that we will attend and the church that we will get involved to holds to the purity of the teaching of Scripture. Now, what do we believe concerning the Scripture? Well, let me give you three eyes that you can remember. When somebody asks you, what do you believe about the Bible? You can answer them with these three eyes: That it is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Now, as the inspired Word of God, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration there, the Greek word is theonostos, and it means God breathed. Now, for me to speak this evening, it requires breath, not just the muscle formation and everything else. The most essential thing that I need to be able to speak is breath. If there's no breath, there's no words. And so Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, the words that you have in front of you are such of the word of God that they actually were produced by his very breath. It was his breath that brought these words about. Even though men wrote them down, yet it was through the power of God himself that those words were given. And so the Bible is God's word. Then the Bible is also inerrant. The Bible is without error in the facts that it contains. Let me say it again. That the Bible is without error in the facts that it contains. Let me give you an example of inerrancy. You read back in the book of Joshua. How the battle is raging there with Israel. And Joshua prays a prayer. And he says and he prays unto God that the sun would stand still. And it would give them more time, more daylight to defeat the enemy. And the Bible says that yes, that took place. Now when you think about it scientifically, that actually did not happen. The sun did not stand still. Because the sun doesn't move. The earth rotates around the sun. Now, is the Bible an error with that? Of course not. Because the fact of the matter is correct. Joshua was praying from his human perspective, as we all do. We talk about the rising and the setting of the sun, even though the sun technically does not rise or does not set. It again is the earth rotation and so on, and it moves. We're praying from a human perspective. And to Joshua and his perspective, again, the sun stopped. And so the record of Scripture is true. It is inerrant because the facts of Scripture are correct. But then also the Bible is inspired, inerrant, and it is infallible. And that is that the Bible cannot be wrong in any truth claim that it makes. Every prophecy of the Word of God is true. Every teaching of the Word of God is true. 